many people feel addicted to their devices. This is One Phone to Rule Them All. A show where I talk to users, experts and entrepreneurs about how smartphones are affecting us and what we can do about it. Today I've got the pleasure of talking to Anya Peshko. Anya is an entrepreneur, speaker and coach with a background in real estate and specialized in digital and social media addiction and anxiety. She has a beautiful dog named Maximus, and she thinks we need to be more bored. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Anya. Thank you for having me. Um, tell me about your very first mobile phone, if you remember it. Oh my God, I'm going to be dating myself. I actually think I had one of those car phones that you carry in its own big bag. It looked like a brick, literally, and it had a cord in it with it. And <laughs> I had a crappy little car with 800,000 miles on it. But my mom would always be like, take that phone with you. Don't leave it in your car. So nobody would break in. So I would have my like Chanel bag. And then this huge, it looked like a diaper bag, like a black diaper bag with all this. It was embarrassing. That's, that's amazing. Calling from it, calling from it was so expensive. It was like $30 a call. So you never really called anybody. You just carried it because it was so cool. Because it was so cool and you. I have a car phone. Forget the fact that I wasn't able to use it. It was, too, it was just really crazy. So no, no risk of being addicted to that one. God, no. <laughs> um. And so, so now, now obviously, fast forwarding uh, uh, to to 2020, and the situation looks a lot different. Uh, tell tell me a bit about the work that you do in this space. Um, you know, my work pivoted um, in the last six months. Um, I think primarily because, I, obviously, because of COVID, in a sense that um, I started working with. A lot more with corporations that are uh, trying to figure out the balance between work from home and live from home and just how do you balance technology with our life today specifically but also um, I think what balance with technology changed post-COVID as well um, you know where before we would really recommend on spending more time off the phone and in real social connections and interactions, you know, in March, it, that all of a sudden stopped. So I think, you know, the things we as, you know, the digital wellness community was recommending pre-COVID um, is very, it, it looks very different post-COVID. And so, um, you know, I've been trying to kind of sitting on the sidelines and figure out what digital wellness of the future looks like. Because right now everything is in flux. So I think right now, <laughs> to talk to someone about the dangers of technology when most people are forced to be with it and their children are and a lot of people cannot go outside and are isolated. Um, I don't think this is the right time to lecture people on um, what technology is doing to them, to their kids, and, and also you know, kind of putting these, um, you know, very, uh, you know, kind of severe ways in which 
um, you know, we, we expect to perform right now. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I think people are trying to figure out how to maintain sanity. And I think our phones, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking is if it wasn't for our relationship with our iPhones for the past 10 years, we would have never been able to um, withstand this pandemic. Because I think when people talk about loneliness that they have uh, felt in the last six months, it's not in the last six months, it's in the last 10 years. And it is only because we were so isolated before that we were able to withstand the isolation of 2020 because we already knew what it was like to really function without anything or anyone. 20 years ago, I think COVID would have been much worse on people's psyche than uh, today. That's a really interesting point. So you're saying that, that, that the smartphones have driven us to isolation, but also made us so used to it so we could handle COVID in a better way. Absolutely, a, a thousand percent, you know, because FaceTime and, and, you know, Instagram and, you know, chats and however people chose to communicate during um, COVID, all of that was made possible because of this prolonged use. And we knew these platforms, we trusted them, and it, it was, is, became the norm. Um, and so I think we have to realize, you know, I think we have to recognize that. I don't, you know, and, and so these are the, just some of the things that I've been thinking. Um, you know, one of the things I have been staying really away from, and that's why I, I deleted all social media off my device. Now, I don't have any notification. If you took my phone, you're literally just staring at a brick. Um, I don't have any notifications. It's grayscaled. There's no um, apps. So it's just, it. so right now it's a basic communication device for me. And so I don't take it to when I walk my dogs, I don't take it when I meet my friends, I don't take it when I go to stores. So it's there if I need to communicate to someone. And then I like to have real physical and social interactions with people, um, especially if it's possible. I think it's been, you know, like we need it. And, and I think it's really important that if people can right now, um, that they spend more time with other humans. But it's an it's a really interesting paradox because you know you say we we need to spend more time with with humans, which I agree with. But then also that technology and the phones have been sort of a lifeline during this time, and that that it's hard to come and lecture people about how to use technology when they sort of need to use it. But don't you think that? that that discussion can still take place and, and sort of, if we didn't have the phones, we would find, find something else to do. We would be, be bored, like you say, and sort of find other things to get us through these challenging times. You know, I think it just depends what you want your product to be at the end of the day, right? I think if you live in your phone, then you will produce that. Right. But I think if you step outside of your phone and look around and think of some of the things you can connect with um, and invest in yourself, I think the product became, you know, becomes very different. And just to explain what I mean by that. So most of the people I work with in corporate or in personal uh, coaching, the first question I always ask, you know, because by the time people come to me, something is off. 
Um, and it's never their technology use, it's driven by something else. So, so, so it's, a, it's, it's an addiction, it's the same thing as alcohol or drugs. And so I always say, do you exercise? Um, and most people will tell you that they don't, they just don't have the time, right? And so this is, this conversation always goes the same. There's never a variant to it. Oh, well, let me see your settings. Oh, well, oh my God, you're on the phone seven and a half hours a day, surely, surely you can find half an hour to exercise. Now, when you, within seven to nine, seven to 10 days of half an hour exercise a day, you start to physically uh, change not only physically, but also how you feel. You have a little bit more energy, you're feeling um, better, you wake up on a more regulated schedule. Once your body starts to change in any way, you start being a little bit careful with what you eat and how much alcohol you consume, right? And so it's this, it's this, it's a very small shift. At least that's what I think, right? It's half an hour, you know, and then we have to just talk about what we put into ourselves as human beings, right? Like what fuel do we use? So if you're on the phone and you get up, you're on the phone, you work on the phone, you, you, know, you spend dinner on the phone, you have cocktails on the phone, you have a date night on the phone. Um, you know, we, we, right now we spend most of our waking hour on the phone. And so then the question is, where are you investing? Like mm. what, what better we know that this is really bad for your brain we know that this is really bad for your vision we know that this is really um you know high levels of dopamine have really serious consequences so it's it, it just becomes a matter of a choice and so i think when we talk about technology today i really think we're talking about balance right how do you use it right and so where you're carving out the proper amount of time and energy spent um, and then, you know, you brought up boredom, which is obviously my huge topic because I've been talking about it for so long. Um, you know, I think boredom is our sixth sense. I think it's God's gift to us. And I think we use it to entertain ourselves and others, right? That's why you, we all have that friend who you say, listen, Tyne, you have to meet my friend. Can I invite him or her to dinner? They're so funny, right? They're entertaining. They, they see you know, they see the magic of the world, right? You know, the, the, there are those that see it and the, those that don't. And I think the, so, so we use this, this, this quality of boredom to, it's an internal entertainment system, which then becomes ex external. And, you know, it's, it's obviously, you know, most of creativity, greatest thinkers and art and invention comes from, from that moment of, you know, of boredom, of, of looking into trying to not be bored, trying to find a way in which you can entertain yourself, um, which I think is really important. It's, um, you know, I think we have to practice it ourselves. I think we um, should show it how to do it to our children. I don't think you should be sitting in the room by yourself for two hours, but I think sitting down and um, just having these two, three, four, five minute um, sessions where you just kind of sit and, and you try to be bored. You're like, wow, I'm bored. What can I think about? Should I draw? Why don't I draw? Why don't I make a picture? Why don't I draw in here? Oh my God, you know, be really cool. Um, why don't I just go to the store and make a project? Great. What will I make? I'm going to make a picture collage. Okay. I'm going to have these four. That's it. I'm off to a, you know, it's, it's creation. Um, and so I think it would, you know, I think a little boredom can go a long way right now in the world. So um, I highly recommend it.
So if we take more, I, I think that's that's great, Anya, and, and that it lies very closely with creativity. But on the other hand, it's quite easy to say, you know, um, I'm bored, I'll pick up my phone. Why why do you not recommend that? What, what, what does that to, do to our boredom or, or our brain if we do that all the time instead? So there's two reasons. So I, if you're a parent, I think understanding what the technology does to your children is at most importance. I don't think most people realize how sinister it is. So I think if you're a parent, how you behave will very much affect how your child will behave. So why as a parent, I wouldn't pick up my phone when I'm bored is because you're showing a really bad example. Um, what the technology, just, just so we're clear, I just want to say really quickly what the technology does to us, you know, to another, you know, brain that is still developed, a, a brain, a child's brain that is still in development versus somebody like you or me is that it's the same reason we have a drinking age, right? So in America, you're not allowed to drink till you're 21. The frontal cortex doesn't fully mature till you're 25. So when alcohol penetrates, that gray matter, it's the, the, the tissue is so soft and so it really penetrates. And so if you gave a six-year-old beer, one beer, they would get trashed, right? Where if you and I had one beer, you know, we have one beer, you're totally fine. So it's the same thing for technology. The way dopamine, you know, when you're a small child, the sound, the color, the movement, the noise, it's all so much, it rips through your brain that the, the, often, so often the iPad is so much, is so much bigger than the child's head, right? And so they're not, we're not able to process so much movement at the same time, right? Like that's why the old school little trinkets that babies would have, right? That would hang above their cribs. You know, there's like four cubes on there and they spin and the baby follows it. And so imagine looking at a pixelated picture, you know, it's like it's way too much stimulation. And so as a parent, I think if you're, if you're raising children and you want them to um, be well and, and well adjusted and healthy, I, I think it's one of the reasons why you should not pick up your phone when you're bored and try to figure out other ways in which you can engage yourself and then your child. If you're an adult and you don't have children, putting in technology, I mean, it just, there's, you know, we, we follow the data, just the, the things that, you know, we now, you know, being still and not moving and not exercising and not doing things that we used to do before, it's really detrimental to our life. Um, and so I think, you know, we have to look into alternate ways in which, in which to entertain ourselves, which is so much of it, right? That, you know, I, I have a course out on teachables for children and families. And I go through, I launched that course in, in March. And so I pulled it off by the end of March because most of the things that my course suggested were these social interactions, right? I had a chapter on games and on dinner time, you know, how do you live a life without constantly being connected to your phone? I pulled it off in, in uh, April because I thought it was really unapplicable to what's going on in the world. But I think the world is shifting again, right? You know, we're in change. Change always creates opportunity. There's tremendous opportunity right now. 
I think for the world and for a better digital balance and better digital experience. Mm. You're, you're, you're very passionate when you talk about this, Anya. Where does that passion come from for, for boredom, for digital wellness? So my passion is only in, in human connection. So I'm not passionate about digital wellness. I'm passionate about human connection. I don't really care about boredom, but I think the ability to, give, to be bored gives us a way in which to be happy because you're taking the external, you, 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 you take, the only thing we can really control is how we feel and what we do internally. And so by understanding boredom and using it to create, you're really taking control of something that I think most people just told that they don't have. Um, I also think people miss, uh, represent what boredom means. Boredom is not silence. Boredom is not meditation, right? Boredom is not, you know, meditation is stillness. It's silence. It's not thinking, it's being, that's not at all what boredom is. Boredom is completely opposite of that. It's complete chaos. It's complete mayhem, right? It's like, oh my God, what does my brain want to do? Do I want to eat right now? Oh my God, should I have a peach? I don't have any peach. Should I go get peaches? Maybe my neighbor has peaches. You know what? It'd be nice if I had a peach tree, right? It's, it's that. And then you laugh at yourself, right? You're like, oh my God, the things I think. And, and so it's that. It's this little moment, right? It's not, again, it's not hours spent staring at a wall, right? Like that's, you know, I think that's unnecessary. Um, you know, I think it's just looking in ways in which we can create an experience that is real that's not in a in the size of our palm mm. you know it's just not a real experience at all and it never will be and so you know i, I you know solitary confinement is the worst um form of punishment for men and we live there now and we all know it. And we, you know, if you're spending over six hours a day on your phone, you're in solitary confinement because out of 24 hours, you know, what's left? You got to sleep eight hours. You got to shower, you go to the bathroom. That's an hour. You have to eat. That's an hour. Although sometimes, you know, you know, I, I read this article the other day. You know how long it takes people to eat now? Three meals a day? 15 minutes. What happened to eating, right? Like what happened having this incredible dinner? I can, I can find myself doing that. Just having, when I'm on my own working from home and, and I look at the time and I've got say 45 minutes to have lunch. And then after five minutes, I'm done. And I'm like, how, what, what happened there? I, I really need to slow down. I decided to make, I mean, I cook and I love, to, I love, I love, I love to cook. It's like a big thing I do. I love doing it. I cook, you know, like I, I have a puppy. I make them meatballs without anything in it, but I roll the meat, whatever I love. So I made soup a couple of Saturdays ago. I had like a lot of vegetables in my fridge that were going bad. You know how long that took? Two and a half hours. Because everything had to be cut. Well, first of all, it had to be washed. Then it had to be cut. Then it had to be sauteed. 
then it had to be put in a broth with, you know, with, with the other vegetables. Not everything had to be sauteed. Then I had to saute the onion and garlic, and then I had to cook it, and then I had to wash everything. Um, now it was great. It was beautiful. I gave some to my neighbors. I ate it. But that's how long cooking is. I love it. Uh, right? But we're used to like, hey, order a pizza. Done. When will it be here? Nine minutes. And you can follow it on the app and see exactly when it turns up. It's that on-demand culture. Anya, speaking of, of cooking soup and dinners, you have a story that you told me another time we spoke when you had cooked, you had friends over for dinner, you had cooked for a long time and there was something happened around phones. Do you mind retelling that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a dinner when I moved here um, to Charleston from New York in July. Uh, I actually... Um, Two of my bankers took me out when I got here. And so I made dinner. I made some Russian food for them and their families. And they came over. It took me two days to cook. Um, you know, I made short ribs the night before. And I made mashed potatoes. And I made this roasted uh, cauliflower soup. Um, and they were on the phone during the dinner. Um, and, you know, I didn't get upset. But I did say something. I was pretty irritated. Um, right. And I was like, listen, like, I adore you guys. But. You know, it took me, you know, it was very expensive. I spent money. I took my time. I made this food. I cooked for two days. Um, and, you know, they were just showing pictures to people, right? Just trying to go with the story. Um, and so most people know that was the first time at my house, hopefully not the last. Uh, but most people know that. And, and it's really funny because a lot of my friends will say, I just need to check my phone to see if my kid called. And I'm always like, oh, my God, you could totally, right? I don't. I don't mind you checking your phone when you're at my house. I just don't want you on your phone doing, right? Um, you know, because I'm there. I have board games, I have books, I have champagne, I have dogs, I have a porch, I have a roof, I have music, I have a TV, I don't have cable, but, you know, and there's me, I'm a source of entertainment. Like there's no reason for, you know, it, it's just, um, I think that's a really important part of you know, what does digital wellness look like? It looks like, and so I think we have to establish digital wellness etiquette. So if you are connected to your phone, but you are in front of another person, I think that person has to come first before the phone. Mm. It doesn't matter what's happening in the phone. If you have a human being in front of you, it's like, it's like going to a store, right? Person that's in the store, the actual customer that's right there is more important than the customer that's calling. Right, because like I'm actually here. And so it's the same thing with technology. I understand you're talking to your friend on, on text, but I'm actually here right now. So maybe you can talk to your friend when I'm not here. That's a great point. Um, and I think you know you you you've covered some of the, the issues with with phone overuse and technology um, and some personal stories and, and now some some points and advice as well. And, and that's what I want to do here. I want to give, you know, raise awareness, but also give some advice. So can we end on, on some, if you give your, your top advice for, and I know that's different for, you know, if it's for adults, um, for teenagers or, or for parents living with small children, but to summarize what, what, what's the message that you give people for, for digital wellness or, or phones in particular? I think the most profound and important thing for me is um, 
when people ask me what I do, um, I respond with, I, I help people get um, back their time, right? I help them figure out how to get back more of their daily time where they can spend it on themselves, their kids, um, you know, Pilates, whatever it is they want to do. And so I think the more we can extricate ourselves from um, having to, from the more we can extricate ourselves from our phones and spend more time without it. So for example, you know, walking your dog, you know, I have two dogs. I walk them three, sometimes two, but three, let's say three, um, at least two times a day, I have to take my dogs out and, you know, they have to pee it all out. And so it takes a little bit. And so each of those walks at least is 25 minutes to 30 I never have my phones with me when I walk. My phone is not in my pocket. My phone is at home uh, because I really want to be present for my animal. I want to be connected. I have a, I've, I've seen behavior that I've never seen before. I think it's really, and so that gives me an hour, right? Extra. And then cooking, um, going shopping to a store without a phone. People say, what about a uh, shopping list? You can always write that down. Um, I think, uh, putting your phone on airplane mode before bedtime is really imperative. Uh, having phones which are on by your bed while you sleep disrupt your sleep. We have studies and data to, to prove it. It's a fact. It's not a myth. Um, and then my last thing that I would say, you, you know, we, and again, this is data. We should not have phones when we eat. People eat faster. Um, they don't, they don't, you know they don't see they don't show the same satisfaction if you eat dinner while if you eat dinner while looking at your phone versus you eating without it and I also think it's a great way for people to connect so you don't text your spouse or your friends throughout the day or throughout the week but when you sit down with them you know if you have a brunch every Sunday and you don't text each other 40 times a day when Sunday comes it's a very different experience um, because you're actually catching up. You're actually telling them what happened to you during the week as opposed to sending them, you know, my, my boss and I had a talk. What does that mean? What did he say? What did you say? What you said, what? And physically, when you're involved in that conversation, it's so much more fun. And it's like, hey, how are you? Good, good. That's not an interaction, right? So I think use the phones less and try to kind of carve out these little moments where we can be phone free. It doesn't have to be for two hours. It can be for seven minutes while you brush your teeth. Oh, and that's another very big, no phones in the bathroom, right? And, and I'll tell you why. I don't know why people don't know this or think of it. There are cameras in the phones, okay? Huge. The washing of the hands, you still take your phone. You have to put it on account. No phones in the bathrooms ever. That is that. That's my big uh, advice. Yeah, <clears throat> I um, I totally agree. And and it, it's not that difficult to follow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Before before we we end um, with with adults, I think most people hear this. They can relate to it with with their own behavior. They can you know understand it. With teenagers having grown up with this, they have all their friends are on it. Um, they, they might feel that they need to be on it. How, how, how do we work with, with teenagers to, to change this? I think parents have to set rules and kind of create boundaries and set an example um, 
you know, uh, Jean Twenge writes around this a lot. You know, she wrote iGen. Um, Jonathan Haidt uh, wrote an incredible book called The Coddling of the American Mind. He talks a lot about uh, digital wellness. Obviously, uh, Douglas Rushkoff. Um, these are, the stats are not good um, for teens today, particularly girls. Self-harm is on a rise. Uh, bullying is on a rise. Um, Self-mutilation is on a rise. A lot of girls are having very early plastic surgery, wanting to look like a filter. Um, so that's, you know, we have to address that. Um, and it is being addressed. I think parents have to use phones differently. And I think, listen, if you live in a household where dinners are phone free, Sundays are phone free, uh, car rides are phone free, and children are, in, children are doing homework and some chores, there's not a lot of time left for, and so I think it's balancing. I think it's showing children and kids what are, are the things that they have to be and learn in the world. You know, they have, to, they have to learn how to sew, they have to learn how to cook, they have to learn how to basically take care of themselves. You know, I was reading some stuff about Russia communism, which is where I was raised. Every boy that went to school, went to, we had shops. So every man in Russia knew how to build something, some better, some worse, but they knew the idea of it, right? Um, so we have to do, the, do that. I think we have to engage our uh, kids in things that make us human. We have to teach them compassion, forgiveness, connection, social skills, and empathy and none of those things can be taught online and you need all of those things to be a successful human being so i think it's be making better parenting choices and um you know if kids are not happy that means you're doing something right if your relationship with your kids is really easy and you're like you're the best dad in the world and you know sunday mornings are spent at a silent table with everybody on, on their device there's a better way to be i think um and i think there's a better way in which we can um, help our future generation to kind of connect to these things in a much healthier way. Mm. That's that's beautifully put, Anya. And I'll end with a quote from you um, on, on that topic around just being. Between then and now, we lost sight of what it means to just be, which I really like. Thank Thank you so much for, for sharing your, your insights um, and, and, and advice. And I look forward to uh, following your, your journey and the work you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Taino. You have listened to One Phone to Rule Them All, a show about smartphones by Taino Benz. I would love to hear your stories on smartphones, what emotion this episode sparked, or if you have any feedback or comments, feel free to get in touch. The next episode will be very psychology-based as I will be talking to psychologist Teodora Pavkovic who is a parenting coach and a speaker and is going to share her thoughts on technology, parenting and children. Tune in then.